Well, it's good to have you back with us. Another edition of Death, Taxes, and Duval. My name is Rick Ballou alongside Hayes Carline. Hayes, before we get things cranked up, let's say hello to our sponsor. Yeah, appreciate John Spicklemeyer. It's Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. He's going to be able to help you with your car insurance, or is he, he's at least going to be able to look at your policy and tell you that you have the right policy, you're paying for the right things, and you're paying the right price. Uh, who wants to pay more for car insurance than you have to? Uh, give John Spicklemeyer a call at 471-7155. Again, that's Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. All right. uh, Camp is done and it'll be that way for, you know, about uh, just about 30 days or so uh, when things will actually get cranked up. And it's going to be interesting over the next month to see uh, if anything does happen as far as any, you know, possible uh, additions to this football team, any transactions or what have you. I think you'd agree that for the most part, uh, things seem to be set. Uh, in stone, but you, you never really know. There still are some pending free agents that could uh, could possibly come here to Jacksonville. But with everything said, and you know, I want to remind the listeners that a year ago at this time, I was certainly very positive uh, about the rookie Trevor Lawrence coming here and what I thought was a good hire at the time with Urban Meyer. Here it is one year later. Uh, for starters, Hayes, this is a better roster. They've added some good football players on both the offense and the defensive side, will that translate overall to many more wins? Well, certainly Jaguar fans hope so. But what's your main feeling now one year after what ended up being just a complete abomination here in Duval? Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I, I would have, I've said this before, so I always like to preface it before I absolutely crush Urban Meyer. I would have hired Urban Meyer. You know, I, 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 I don't fault Shad Khan for that. I would have hired Urban Meyer. He won 85% of his games in college and never would have dreamed he would have basically concocted a Ponzi scheme upon Shad Khan and the Jaguar fan base by pretending to be something that he wasn't. He knew he wasn't ready for the NFL. He knew he didn't know anything about the NFL. But he acted like he did, that he'd studied it for a year, and uh, it ended up being an absolute just train wreck of a season. And, and a, for a franchise that's had plenty of disappointments, uh, that one certainly stood out as being the best. I mean, it, it made a 1-15 in 15 season seem like Shangri-La. Uh, how bad it was last year in terms of the dysfunction and just the embarrassments week after week, uh, even though they were able to win three games as opposed to one the year prior. Um, I I think it, to me, on paper, they're significantly better. Obviously, it starts with bringing in Doug Peterson. Probably any head coach, if they had just hired uh, a defensive core, if if they had hired McDaniel or... Uh, uh, any coordinator that had never been a head coach probably would have been an upgrade anyway because those guys would have known the NFL. They would have known the, the NFL athlete. They would have known the NFL schedules and, 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 and routines. Uh, but to get somebody like Doug Peterson who gives you the playing experience, the coordinator experience, the Super Bowl winning head coach experience, obviously that's worth its weight in gold. But again, Rick, we've talked about from a talent standpoint, I mean, I think they're significantly better on paper. Now, they weren't any good. So we'll have to see how that translates. But on offense, you lose DJ Chark, who barely played last year. You lose Brandon Linder, who was a good player but missed a lot of time. And you lost Norwell, who's an above-average player. That's what you lost of significance on offense. You gain Christian Kirk, who's going to basically, you can almost count on, he's going to have 1,000 yards this year if he plays the vast majority of the games. You add a five-time Pro Bowl right guard in Brandon Sheriff. You had Evan Ingram, who's going to be the most dynamic tight end this franchise has ever had. Uh, you had Zay Jones. Uh, you had Fortner in the draft, who I think does become the starting center 
relatively early in, in the season. Uh, and you get back Travis Etienne, who never played last year. So to me, that's a, a massive amount of upgrading. And I think it's even more pronounced on the defensive side. You lose Miles Jack and Damian Wilson. Uh, okay, two, you know, Damian Wilson's a journeyman, but he had a nice year last year. Miles Jack obviously has playmaking ability. So you lose Jack and Wilson. And again, I, I don't count guys like Taven Bryan. You lost two players of significance, Miles Jack and Damian Wilson on defense. You gained Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, uh, Foye Olekin, uh, Fadu Fadakasi, uh, uh, Darius Williams, Chad Muma. I mean, to me, that is substantially better. So they've spent basically to the cap. I don't know if there's anything else they can really do, uh, you know, looking at what's still out there. But I, I think it's very fair to expect them to win, you know, six or seven games this year. And if the ball bounces right and they're able to be one of the healthier teams in the league, I, I do think they have a shot at eight or nine wins. Yeah, my only concern, well, I have uh, a couple of concerns. But uh, for starters, my first would be, and I understand that uh, they're all professionals here, but you got to learn a totally new offense. you got to learn a totally new defense. And again, I mean, many of these players are, are coming here for the first time. So um, even for the returners, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, it is a factor, but that's also kind of the way that this league uh, is structured. For a lot of these guys, they, they have to learn how to do things on a year-to-year basis. You mentioned Fortner. One thing that I'm really interested in is, you know, the last three years, Jacksonville's drafted three times on that offensive line. And you know, you've got some guys now, uh, particularly with uh, with Juwan Taylor, who's in the final year of his contract. I, I guess you could say four straight years if you go back to when he was selected. But, you know, I'm looking at obviously Barch, Little, and now Fortner. And it, it would be nice if this organization uh, could plug those three in and, and really look at the future and say, all right, cash affordable signings. You've got three guys on your offensive line that are playing under rookie contracts. And, and two of those right now begin this year as a rookie and Walker Little as a second-year man. Uh, you look at great teams and the amount of money that they are forced to spend on the offensive line. Heck, Jacksonville last year, uh, they were either the top uh, as far as money spent on the offensive line or, or they were certainly one of the top teams in the NFL. And two of those positions right now, they're paying a lot of money for it. Cam Robinson – uh, as well as Brandon Sheriff. So to me, that's one thing that with the numerous storylines that we look at this year, can those three all develop? Now, that may be wishful thinking. Uh, this year it may end up being one of the three. Uh, who knows? Um, but in a perfect world, you know, I'd, I'd like to see that. Also, you know, in, in, in contract years, Evan Ingram, you know that he's going to want to put up some huge numbers because it's basically a one-year deal for him. And then he can test free agency waters. Uh, same with Marvin Jones Jr. With all the contracts that we've seen, particularly the defensive ones, they've all been three-year deals where after year two, you can basically cut them because the dead cap money shrinks by a massive amount. That was not the case for Jones Jr. He signed a two-year contract. So he has another one of those show-me type years. Um, it, you know, it's very intriguing to, to look at it that way, the changing guard uh, within the NFL. And, you know, I always talk about shaving points and uh, I don't mean that in a be- in a betting term. I, I mean that, you know, defensively, you gave up 26.9 a year ago. Well, that was actually a, 
a pretty good improvement from the year prior where they allowed a franchise high 30.7. Can you take another, uh, can you shave a couple of, uh, of more points from 26.9? Can you get it down to, uh, to 24? Can you get it down to 23 and a half? And then, you know, I look at that offense at 14.9. It was just putrid. We know it's going to be better because the coaching's better. The growth of Trevor Lawrence is going to help. The players that you mentioned is going to help. I also believe that the the offensive play calling with those four former quarterbacks all having some say in the room, and obviously Doug Peterson is going to be the guy who's going to call the plays, but, you know, that's going to grow. What, what can you get there from 14-9? Can you get it up close to 20? I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but over a 17-game schedule, it really is seven points per game. That 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 is a massive swing. So, you know, I've always kind of looked at it that way. I'll credit the late John Layton for really turning me on to that about a decade ago. It's I, I love numbers, but I I love obvious numbers. Uh, not all these analytics and uh, algorithms that that go into figuring out today's NFL. For me, it's about scoring points and it's about preventing. Uh, the opponent from scoring points, and you had a you had a mean of twelve last year, man. I mean, a point differential of twelve. So that's how I'm looking at it, Hayes. How much can you improve offensively? How much can you shave defensively to take that twelve number? And you know, if you can get it to five, is that a is that a realistic number, or is that too much in just one season? Yeah, absolutely. How do you think they stack up in the division, Rick? Um, you know, if I was picking today, I'd say three. I, I, I clearly think they're better than Houston. Um, you know, I, I got a good Matt Ryan and Indy and, you know, they, they love the staff there and the front office there. I, I guess I would put them at one, uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, kind of, uh, even though he certainly turned his career around, uh, I thought he let down the organization, uh, this past year in the playoffs. And I, you know, I just wonder, even though he's a local guy, uh, the the amount of wear and tear and everything that, that Derrick Henry has taken, how much longer is that going to be able to um, be something that he can withstand year in, year out? Now, granted, he, he missed significant time a year ago with that injury, but you know how the shelf life is for a running back. I mean, uh, so I, I would wrote it that way. And, and by the way, since we're on that subject, I, I certainly want your opinion, but because of age and wear and tear, I would end up taking Jonathan Taylor right now over Derrick Henry. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I think so. I, I am worried about Derrick Henry uh, in terms of you see these, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you see these great running backs get these, uh, you know, get the first entry and then, man, it just seems like it just, it's just here it comes and here comes another and here comes another and here comes, here comes another. Uh, with Derrick Henry being a local kid, you know, you certainly pull for him individually. Uh, I'd love for him to have, you know, a 2,000 yard season as long as the Titans are, are not in the tournament uh, and, and two time losers to the Jaguars. But yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, Jonathan Taylor just, I mean, we've seen it. It just, there's a lot of miles on on Derrick Henry's tires now. They didn't play him much his first couple of years, but he's been a dynamic, really heavily used player now for the last four years. And so I, I think he'll have a really good season, but I, I would think that Taylor will have the more dominant year. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. And again, that's why, you know, the addition of Fadakasi is so big because, you know, to your point, 
if the Jaguars can be good against the run, certainly better than they've been, then that is going to allow your playmakers to have more of an opportunity to get after the quarterback, affect the quarterback, make them throw early, make them throw wild, and you know you hope that gets that takeaway number up. So you know it's it's going to be up to Fadakasi and company to get teams you know in those third and long situations, or certainly not get you know gashed in the run game. So that Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, you know, can can get after the quarterback and uh, Shaq Griffin, Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, and uh, you know, hopefully Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Cisco can make some plays on the ball. So, um, you know, it is going to be exciting to see. I, I think it's fair to to you know have them third. I I I, don't, I definitely think that they're in a very very good division to be in. Because uh, I think the Colts are sort of spinning their wheels, and if if the Matt Ryan thing doesn't work, it almost feels like at that point Indianapolis has to wave the white flag and say, you know what, we're not going to bounce back from Andrew Luck's retirement is uh, is is as well as we thought, and we need to go ahead and and tear it down. I uh, so I, I kind of get a sense that Matt Ryan will probably be good. He probably won't be what they're hoping. Uh, so I do like the Colts to win the division. I, I'm with you. I think Tennessee is a team that. I uh, regresses now I've been calling for that for three years and, and it hasn't happened but uh, and I do think Mike Vrabel is a really outstanding coach but I, I'm not a big believer in Tannehill I do think trading AJ Brown was a mistake and you know I think defensively I'm interested in seeing what they can what they can become so uh, I, you know I, I think Tennessee is going to be decent but not great and, and Houston I think has the makings of a disaster. Now I thought that last season and and they beat the Jaguars twice, but this year I do think it'll be different. And I, I'm with you. I think if they can get three wins in the division, three and three, that would be a, a really good mark. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because some people now are starting to say, well, wait a minute here. What if all the stars align? I look at Cincinnati did a year ago. Could that be Jackson? I, I still think it's at least one year away, but you know, great coaching, can really affect things in, in so many different ways. And, you know, if you look at the Jaguars in 2021, no matter which group you go to, no matter which particular category you look at, um, it suffered and, and it was poor. And, you know, there's so many things that, that great coaching can do to help turn this thing around. For instance, time of possession has been dreadful. Well, if you can run the football, you're going to have the advantage of, of much more clockwork. And, you know, hopefully that happens with the return of James Robinson and Travis Etienne. You know, the offense didn't do the defense any favors last year by averaging, you know, only a touchdown per game in the first half. On the flip side, you know, defensively, people will look at it and say, well, what's going on here? They only had 32 sacks in 32 games. Josh Allen had a great month, but he only had seven and a half sacks. Well, if the offense can do its job and stay in the game and, you know, we get to the third quarter and it's a one possession football game or, you know, dare I say Jacksonville even has a lead, uh, all of a sudden offenses are going to have to remain balanced. And that's going to give Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and everyone else much more of an opportunity uh, to rush the quarterback. So, and, and those stat, you know, sack statistics, uh, which I think you and I would agree at times can, can certainly be considered overrated, but, you know, it's a huge measurable by the media and, and certainly by, 
Jaguar fans. I mean, you and I know that I don't care what happens this year. Trayvon Walker is absolutely going to be measured on sack statistics. And, uh, you know, it's kind of unfair because if he does his job and and, uh, takes a guy or maybe he's even getting chipped, let's say it's a a tackle and a back, and then all of a sudden on the other side, Josh Allen's able to get to the quarterback, he's not going to get credit for that. But that's what I'm really looking at this year is – it seems like if the offense did anything good a year ago, the defense did the exact opposite. And if the defense did anything good a year ago, uh, the offense, you know, completely did flatline. So I almost believe they work in unison. You got more talent, but this is where coaching is really going to have to come into play on both sides of the football. Don't be as conservative. Don't be as obvious. I mean, I, I, know, I, I know that when you watch the game, you you kind of look at it like I do. If it's second and eight, you're saying to yourself, all right, they're going to run this type of play on second and eight. Now, I don't care who the offensive coordinator's been around here. It's been so damn predictable year after year after year. I'd love to have a second and eight and say, all right, they're going to throw a nine-yard route here. Then all of a sudden, you know, they, they run a counter or something that I totally don't expect and it ends up being a surprise. I'd, I'd love to see that type of football installed here in 2022. Yes, great point. I do think we're going to see that. I, I think Doug Peterson does bring that. I'll be surprised if uh, the offensive stagnation, lack of creativity remains a thing. And, and it is amazing because it really has gone just down the line of coordinator uh, coordinator after coordinator after coordinator. I didn't think Jed Fish was particularly creative and inventive uh you know nathaniel hackett uh greg olson uh you know certainly uh um daryl bevel last year mm-hmm. uh who was marone's last one i uh, wasn't hackett uh uh default uh, yeah flip, uh, flip. flip yeah, yeah. Uh, flip you know, from uh philly yeah right i mean it's i mean i mean that's not exactly the a who's who of offensive minds that we just rolled off i mean olson's still in the league because he's well liked uh, you know, Hackett obviously now has, uh, you know, the Denver job because he was lucky enough to work with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, you know, it, it, it hasn't been a who's who. And I uh, and I am excited to see, you know, but again, you look at the head coaching position that it's to me, it starts there. It's hard to have a dynamic offense without an offensive minded head coach. It can happen, but you have to have a genius head coach. And, you know, you looked, you know, I started covering the team in 2013, Gus Bradley, defensive mind. Uh, then you went to Doug Marone, who was an offensive line coach. Uh, so certainly not trying to do anything, you know, overly exciting uh, from that perspective. Uh, and, you know, and then you had Urban Meyer where you thought it would be creative and he just had no idea how to do anything in this league. So nothing worked. Um, I, I'm a, I am excited. They did some things in OTAs that I thought were really intriguing, and I'm I'm anxious to see those things either get incorporated more or be uh, tweaked even uh, to a, a higher level. Uh, but end arounds and getting out of the huddle quick and snapping the ball and all the ways that they got Travis Etienne involved. I, I'm hopeful that wasn't just well. We need to go run some things today, so let's go run some things. I hope that that's part of a real backbone of the offensive attack. And I think it will be. I think Doug Peterson knows that what you have to do in this league. I mean, again, this is the guy that ran the Philly special in the Super Bowl. So I'm expecting gutsy offense for once. And I'm excited about that. 
Yeah, and, and, and you should be. And, you know, listen, there's no style points. There, there's no moral victories in the NFL. But it's one thing just to get, you know, ripped apart from, you know, the time toe meets leather until the, 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 you know, the gun goes off 60 minutes later. It's another thing to give it your best and, you know, be in a football game. This team is going to lose some games this year. But if they lose games and they're in it, and then you can look at it and say, all right, they still have to improve at that particular position. They still have to improve at that particular position. But they're not necessarily that far away. You know, a year ago, you couldn't say that. This team was absolutely far away. And you nailed it with Doug Peterson. I mean, uh, after watching New England knock off Jacksonville in the 2017 AFC Championship game, I kind of figured all New England had to do was show up and they would knock off Philadelphia. And, you know, we, we mentioned Nate Hackett and just how incredibly conservative he was with Doug Marone in the second half. With the Philly special, you could say what you want about Doug Peterson. And, yeah, he had a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Doug Peterson tried to win that Super Bowl. And that was the greatest thing about it for him in that victory. He did everything that he could with his team to win it. And I know you can't coach that way each and every Sunday, but there are a lot of situations where you can. And I think that this is the coach that instead of, you know, we're going to be predicting it uh, from the press box and from the sideline, okay, they're going to do this on first down, this on second down. No, he, he's going to do some things that we do not expect. It's not always going to work, but I, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, at least appreciate the effort and the will to try to go out there and find a way to grab a W on a Sunday. So, yeah, I'm overall very encouraged about what I, I believe this offense could end up looking, uh, looking like. Yeah, I am I am as well. It's going to be a lot of fun as we get closer to training camp. I want to thank our sponsor before we get out of here, Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. Give my friend John Spicklemeyer a call. I've known him since high school. He's a super great guy. I Have him look at your car insurance policy. He might say, you know what, you got a good policy. He also might be able to save you a lot of money. He also might be able to tell you that you have things in your policy that you probably don't need anymore. Uh, so have him look at it, 471-7155. All it costs you is a phone call. Uh, but John Spicklemeyer is a great guy. We all have to have car insurance. Why be paying more than you have to? So call Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency, my buddy John, 471-7155. All right, sounds outstanding. As always, uh, we do uh, like to get your feedback, the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. You can get me, Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. How about you, Hayes? Yeah, please reach out at Hayes Carlion, H-A-Y-S-C-A-R-L-Y-O-N. He is Hayes Carlion. He covers the Jaguars beat. He's on each and every day from 3 to 6. I come on right after at 6 o'clock. I'm also blessed enough to be the Jaguars sideline reporter. Again, you can get us on 1010XL on the AM and 92.5 on the FM. Here we are moving through the latter part of June. Hayes Carlin, it's going to be here before you know it, man. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, Rick. No doubt. Have a great afternoon. We'll talk with you again out there soon, folks. Make sure you respond to us, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Death, Taxes, and Duval. I want to be